I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Uh, you know, Rebel Radio is supported by Upside.com. If you travel for business like I do, man, I've been on the road. I was in Atlanta. Just the last month, I was in Atlanta, Mexico. I was in Napa, New York. I'm all over the place. And, uh, you know, anything that makes it easier or saves money is great. Upside.com does both. It's, you, you, you can find the best prices on flights, hotels, rental cars. The service is amazing. You can contact them through the app, the website, phone, email, really any, any way you want to get a hold of them is, is pretty easy. And the craziest thing is there's gift cards to places like Amazon.com every time you make a purchase of business travel through, through them, not just the first time or anything like that. If you use my code REBEL, um, you'll get a minimum $100 gift card to Amazon.com, which is pretty wild. So go to Upside.com, use the code REBEL, and there's a minimum purchase required. See the site for details. Hey, this is Justin. You're listening to my dad on Rebel Radio. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the show where every week I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. This week, as I record the intro, I'm coming at you from Hong Kong. I've been out here for the Macau Grand Prix watching Maro Engel do his thing on the racetrack. I'm a little bit lost as to where I am because I've been all over the place, but our episode was brought to you live from the LA Podcast Festival. If you don't know, LAPodfest.com. It's three days of live podcasts, panel discussions about podcasts, podcasters hanging out. It's really everything to do with podcasts in Los Angeles. 
They got some big name folks like Bill Burr, Bobby Lee, Chapo Traphouse, Mark Marin, and of course the Rebel Radio Show. And my guest is one of the organizers, the founders of uh, the LA Podcast Festival. I went right to the top and got one of the dudes that put the whole thing together, Dave Anthony. He's a really funny comedian, and he's also the host of The Dollop, which is an American history podcast that's way funnier than it sounds. Um, I've been listening to a few of his episodes, and, and he does a great job of making history something that you might actually want to listen to. My favorite is uh, an episode called Disco Demolition Night. If you're not familiar with the history of disco, there's some there's just some great stories there, and it follows a guy, for any baseball fans, a guy named Bill Veck, who was an owner of the Cleveland Indians and Chicago White Sox, and just apparently an insane dude who um, had something to do with disco. So anyway, make sure you check that out. And of course, first, let's get into the interview with Dave Anthony after our EDM.com track of the week. As above or below, may I always live in the now and never from the past. May I never have anxiety for the future. Amen. Oh Lord, oh Lord, help me. Oh Lord, oh Lord, don't forget me. Please tell me what's on your mind. I need your advice sometimes. We bring you new music from EDM.com. This was Ramaj A-Rock and David Music, I think, with a track called Lord Help Me. If you love that one, get over to EDM.com, check out new music there. And of course, now let's get into the interview with Dave Anthony. Maybe one day I'll find some luck. Maybe one day you forget all my sins and let me get heaven when my time is up. I'm never... What's up, guys? Thanks for being here for uh, Rebel Radio Live at the LA Podcast Festival. You guys know Dave probably Hi. better than you know me. I'm blur of the podcast festival. Yeah, I mean, we went right to the top and got the guy that uh, makes this whole thing happen. I like the guy in the front row who just nodded. He just went, yeah. yes. They're yes. going to they're gonna cheer you on <laughs> as we go. This is crowd participation, so I'm just going to ask you all questions. <laughs> Dave, thanks for uh, making time hey, of course. to talk to me. Uh, I, I let a couple of our listeners know that I was talking to you, and I heard... Oh. Well, so he's fucking great. Oh, that's good. My listeners have really foul mouths. I, well, I also... People also have uh, strong opinions about me one way or the other. <laughs> but I like your stuff, man. I've been listening to your show, The Dollop. Thank you. And, uh, and the new album. Oh, which yeah. Which is called... Hothead. Right. Thank you. Correct. Everyone There's here. a quiz throughout this. <laughs> um, and so far, you're doing really well. Um, it's great. And what I like about your comedy 
is that you're really political, but you're not uh, just a political comic. On the album, there's a lot of really yeah. personal stuff. Yeah. Family stuff. A lot of yeah, it's mostly um, family. That that album's mostly yeah. about yeah, my dad. And then the and then the podcast is about history. You've taught me about a lot of things that I had no interest in learning about. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> and somehow made it really interesting and, and funny. Yeah, it's uh, I like I like telling stories, so I like to like work things into a story. Yeah, and I think that it makes history more palatable uh, for an audience because I think most most history is just shittily told, you yeah. know, and then. And clearly, there's also a lot of stuff we don't tell. Yeah, of course, of course, and, and you know, I, so I listened this morning to the Ross Perot episode. Oh yeah, which well, that know, was a that was a that was a foretelling episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, they like the way you, that you turned. I mean, I sort of remember Ross Perot. Yeah, you know, because I was a kid when he was, or I was a, you know, I remember him running for president. Yeah, but like I, I did too, and I actually when I go back on my own and re, I I'm like, oh my god, even I didn't know this stuff. Like it's crazy because yeah. we just kind of catch the surface stuff, right? And then yeah. if you dig yeah, down exactly. deep, it gets weird. So weird. <laughs> so weird. So we're gonna dig deep into you, and, and hopefully oh. we'll get some weird stuff out of that. Um, but I always like to start with how how you got started. Um, so. Can you do you remember the first uh, exposure to comedy or the first comedian that really got you excited? Well, so for me, I was Saturday Night Live was the thing I started watching, and then after which, which era? Uh, so it was it was Bill Murray, you know, in Chevy Chase years, yeah. Ah, Star Wars, nothing but Star. So I started watching that, and then after that, uh, there was stand-up. Mm-hmm. Evening at the Improv was on. On, the, on TV? Yeah, it was on, it was on right after Saturday Night Live. Gosh, I don't remember that. And so as a kid, my parents let me stay up, and I would just, you know, I would usually fall asleep watching stand-up. Yeah. And that's, that was when I was super young. Uh, and at that point, I just decided I wanted to be a comedian. And I right? never really deviated. Was there a particular that. comic that made you feel that way? I don't think so. There there were just there's just weird comics. You would know like this guy Fred Wolf and guy guys sort of stood out as um, sort of being super unique and weird uh, instead of just like the mainstream guys. Yeah. Um, those guys always kind of pop for me, but they're mostly guys you wouldn't know. But I also grew up in San Francisco. So we had all these great comedians. We had Bobcat, we had Robin uh, we had great mm-hmm. proofs, and and so there was just this amazing collection of comedians, by far the best in the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, I grew up there. I grew up in San Francisco too. Yeah, so you know. So M Dung in the in the morning. Yep. Uh, was the morning radio guy, and he always had tons of had comics. On. Comedians, and then um, Alex. Uh, oh God, what's the other guy's name? Uh, there, but there's another radio station that had yeah. tons tons of comics on. So there were two, and so you yeah. would just listen to them, and they were. They were, they were just letting comics kind of go wild, which sort of doesn't really happen now. So what, what was your first time on stage? Uh, so uh, the first time on stage, I went to a bar in a place called San Rafael. And I think I just started college. 
And uh, I went down to watch these comedians. And uh, I was like, well, these, these aren't very good. And a couple were good. And one woman went up, and she's an Asian woman. And I was like, oh, she is fucking terrible. Uh, that was Margaret Cho. Oh, yeah. And uh, she, she is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> My parents are conservative, but surprisingly gay positive. We used to own a bookstore in San Francisco in the late 70s on Polk Street, which then was a huge gay mecca. And my mother, for some reason, was in charge of the gay pornography section. <laughs> She would walk over there. I don't know why we have this book. Margaret, what is a ass master? <laughs> Mom, I have no idea what an ass master is. Nor do I particularly want to find out. And they just, all these comedians who then, you know, went on to do things, and it was just this weird little open mic, and mm. I went up and just, I, I like literally read off a of paper my, the jokes I had. Do you remember a joke? No, I can't remember. What people always ask me, I wish I still had it. I can't remember anything, but they were really bad jokes. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then afterwards, Greg Barrett came up to me and gave me a list of open mics, and then I was off and running. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the, did, like, did you get some laughs? Yeah, get... I got laughs. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. I was just so jazzed that night. And, uh -huh. and then the second time I did it, I totally bombed, yeah. which is actually really common. We, yeah, I've heard that quite a bit Yeah, on, on this show, that the first time goes pretty well. Second time, no. Yeah. Well, then you're like, well, I'm, I'm going to fucking own this place. Right. And then you go up and you're like, oh, this is hard. Yeah. Turns out. And, uh, but you weren't. You weren't giving up after that? No, I mean, I'd wanted to do it for so long. I just was always what I was going to do. So then, you know, I ended up doing it. He's going to open mics and different things six, seven nights a week. It was like all I did. Yeah. It's funny. People talk about TV from back then, like Twin Peaks or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. I was out. Right. I didn't see any of it. Yeah. It's probably a better way to live. Yeah, I think so. So uh, what, was the, what was the break? Was there a moment where things got easier? I mean, no. I mean, stand-up-wise, it just got easier over time. But as far as show business, I mean, I didn't have success until really recently. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely, I was, I was going to quit for a while. So it, for me, I was definitely a long road kind of guy. So was that, um, is that just the way it goes? Were there mistakes that you look back on? Oh, yeah. I made tons of mistakes. Uh -huh. I was totally, I was really in my own way. Like, I definitely had a really shitty attitude, and uh, it's gotten a lot of arguments and fights with people, and would, like, San Francisco is a so good is that, example. So, are you saying that's not a good idea? <laughs> I don't think Here. so. <laughs> so, don't be an asshole. Here, we got a, a nugget of wisdom here. Uh, there was an owner of a, a club in San Francisco, and he, he was like, I'm going to make you the next big thing. You're going to be the next... Um, whatever bobcat out of San Francisco, um, you just gotta like get out of your own way and, and kind of do stand up, you know, well and work on it and stuff. And sure enough, like three months later, I told that guy to fuck off and move to New York. <laughs> like that, nice. that's just the kind of stuff I did. And but I was just self sabotaging, you know, yeah. just constantly self sabotaging. Yeah, it's just not that? great. No. no, that's gone. What? What? Well, how'd you make that change? That changed when I had a kid. Mm. So I, I remember I was sitting there and I had my kid and I took care of him the first two years. My wife was setting up her business and I was, so I would audition for commercials and just kind of do that. And I, my stand-up career was just 
just really bad. Like I couldn't get anything going. And I had, I had my kid. I'm like, well, this is going to be weird when I tell him I failed at the thing I wanted to do. Yeah. So I, that's when I started the podcast, mm-hmm. and which we were super honest and just talked about show business and how it didn't work out for me. And Greg um, had, you know, had a television show and just went in this other direction than comedy. And his career was in the shitter. So we just kind of talked about the reality of what it's like when it doesn't work out in comedy. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone always hears the success stories, but no one ever hears two guys talking about how it was just fucked. Yeah. So uh, it kind of caught on. Like a lot of people, especially was, there was a recession going on, and everyone was like, yeah, I, I, want, I want to do something, and now I'm you know, working a shitty job, and it mm-hmm. sucks. So it just kind of connected with people. And then from that, all of a sudden I had an audience. Right. And I could start doing stand-up, and then just kind of snowballed. And can you see the crossover there? Like, do the fans of the podcast show up at the at the shows? Yeah, still, yeah. I still get I still get a lot of people who are f- from that original podcast, which is now over. Mm-hmm. Um, we still get a lot of people that come out. Yeah. What's up, y'all? I'm very excited to tell you about a new sponsor for Rebel Radio. I've been a fan of Audible.com for years. I probably have. I don't know, at least 100 books in my library. Um, I'm into fiction. I'm into business books. I'm into self-help, personal development. That's most of my listening. And Audible.com has an incredible selection, unmatched. Um, Really, any any book that I've looked for, I've generally found it. Uh, The last book I I just finished listening to was called 10% Happier by Dan Harris. He's an ABC Evening News anchor. And he talked about discovering meditation after having a live panic attack on TV. It's a great story. Kind of taught me a bit about meditation and just really entertaining. I I recommend that book. And I definitely recommend signing up for audible.com. I listen uh, when I go to the gym. I listen on, on my way to work, on my commute. If I'm on a plane, you guys know I travel a lot. So I, I basically turn all that sitting around time into reading time, listening time, and it gives me the opportunity. I'll probably go through a book a week. Get over to audible.com slash rebel. There's a special offer for a 30-day free trial. You can discover audible.com for yourself. Definitely leave us a note and let us know what you're listening to. I'd love to hear that. And uh, make sure you make good use of it. Audible.com slash rebel. So uh, how do you know, so you had that show and, and now you have a different podcast, but how do you know when to shut that one down? Well, that's interesting. So the, the theme sort of became like, well, we're losers, you know, we screwed yeah. up. And then as stuff started to happen for me, uh, like I got, I got, I think I was, I think I got cast on Marin. I got the job on Marin while that was still going on. But there was just stuff happening, like my album, I had an album come out and it did well. And so it was definitely kind of things were picking up a little bit. And I no longer felt like when I started Mm -hmm. and Greg, on the other hand, was still struggling. And so we weren't really on the same level anymore as far as like what to talk about. Right. And he would keep calling us losers and the audience keep calling us losers. And I kept going, I don't feel like that. (laughs) anymore you're, you're pulling up in a limo <laughs> uh so you're kind of jay-z at this point i'm like, jay-z yeah like you're talking about how you're from the streets but yeah you're on your private jet and it was weird because mentally 
I'm almost still, I still, in my mind, I'm still almost an open micer because it's just how I was for so long. Like I yeah. never had success. So when I go on stage and the audience knows me, it's weird for me. Like right. it, my brain doesn't know how to handle it. Uh, so yeah, so it, it just became this weird dynamic and I got really tired of the, the thing about when you generate an audience that is people who aren't doing well, they really want to hold on to that. Yeah. And, and, and some of them are mean. And so you would, ju I just, I just go to my email and be like, Hey, you fucking loser. And, and, but like, and like they think we're getting along right. and I would just get that all over social media. And it was like, yeah, you're a piece of shit. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? So I, that's a big reason of why I stopped it. That's fun. <laughs> I mean, you have to be careful about what you put out there, right? right. Of what, of what the image you're creating because yeah. it sticks with you. So was it a risk then to kind of shut that down and, and move on to something else? Or did you just feel like, was there a moment when, when you realized that, that this has to change? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was a moment. So I, I started the other podcast before Walking the Room ended, but they kind of were really close to each other as far mm -hmm. as beginning and ending. So the other thing about uh, Walking the Room, the podcast, was that I, I, we talked about ourselves. Like, that was the podcast, talking yeah. about our lives and our issues and after a while, you just don't want to talk about yourself anymore. Like, it's just exhausting. And also, everyone knows everything about you. And there's, when it starts to get more popular, like, I don't know if I want people to know all this stuff. So I've always been interested in history. And I just thought it would be cool to do a podcast that had nothing to do with me. Yeah. And was just about another subject. So yeah. uh, that's kind of how it started. And I had Gareth on as a guest on Walking the Room. And the audience loved it. They were like, this guy's fucking amazing. And then Greg was like, what are you replacing me? And it got super <laughs> fucking weird. And so I just said, uh, I'm going to do this with Gareth. And I started doing it with Gareth, the other podcast. And then the th at the same time, the thing with Greg just kind of, it felt like a natural time to end it at that point. So was that, like you said, you're interested in history. Was that really a personal thing? Or did you, you know, did you get some... Uh some report that uh, Americans were interested in learning about I history. Didn't. No, I I would have never thought it would have been this successful. I mean, yeah. it's it's kind of interesting to me that people now, especially now, want to learn about what happened because mm -hmm. really, uh, Americans' history is avoiding their history. Sure, like that's like what we're best at. That's a really controversial statement. <laughs> um. What I, what I like about you and, and Gareth is you, you're kind of the straight man. You yeah. To, you read the stories, or, yep. right? And then he just says... He, he's stuff. the funny guy. And yeah. it's it's and for me, it's just super easy. Yeah. Like, I just... There's no weight on me. I just have to write the story. And then... And sometimes I'll go in and I go, this one's not that funny. And he's yeah. like, okay, I got to take it up a notch. And he doesn't know what you're going to talk about, right? He, I don't think he's ever known one subject that I've talked about. That's cool. Yeah, we found a real dummy. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to do. You're Man. listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. And each week, I, frisbee thrower. Oh, good Lord. Dog owner. Oh, my God. Elephant video watcher, Dave Anthony, <laughs> reads a story from American history to his friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about, except for this week, when I think I do. Um, is, is it hard to, like, you, 
do you have to censor yourself then to kind of give him space? Um, sometimes, but usually not really. Like he, he's sort of a, just like this force of nature and, um, he kind of takes over and it's funny when we have a guest on, we do live ones. Sometimes the people are just staring at him cause they don't know what to do. Cause he's just, right? yeah, it's crazy yeah. to watch. He's really, yeah, he's, he's a pretty unique, uh, talent. Yeah. Yeah. And was there a moment when that kind of took off or was it just from the beginning? It really hit from the beginning, um, but it was about I was about eight months in or something where it was like, oh, this is a thing, and it first took off in Australia. Mm. Uh, but that's because I have connections down there. I'm I'm pretty good friends with a, a very successful comedian down there, and I would do his podcast a lot, so it kind of created this audience down there. Interesting. Um, and so it really took off. And the big thing about that was, is walking the room was super dirty, like we were just filthy. Yeah. And there was a lot of in-jokes. So by the time, if you just went to episode 99, you'd be like, I don't know what's happening <laughs> at all. So with this, people would just send me messages going, I can finally, I can finally tell my relatives about something you do. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it took off because it was more, yeah. more for a broader audience. Sure. Yeah. So how did the, the festival come together? So the festival, um, uh, when we were doing Walk in the Room... We decided to do a live show. I don't know if any, there must have been someone doing live shows at that point, but it certainly wasn't very common. Um, but let's people, just say that you invented it. Yeah, let's say I invented it. Uh, I was the first one. The inventor of the live show, ladies and gentlemen. But we had people asking us. They were like, will you, will you do this, a live one? You should do it live. And so I was like, all right. So we decided to do it at uh, Meltdown here in L.A. And uh, people flew in wow. from all over the country, people from Australia, Japan, just for this one podcast. And the thing about podcasting is, is that we're the gatekeepers. Like there's no one in telling us we can't do it or we can't right. do it. We're right. just doing it. And so my first thought when that happened was someone's going to start a festival and then we're going to have gatekeepers again to get into festivals. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that podcasters should start a festival. And so I called up uh, Graham and Chris of a podcast, Comedy Film Nerds, and we sat down and talked about it. And then we, Andy Wood came aboard who runs or ran Bridgetown. I don't know if it's still going. But so then we just were like, let's get this going before someone else does. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, when we announced it, we did it through a Kickstarter. And, and right away, like there were two or three networks that reached out to me and said we were just about to start one. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And now they are. Now they're all starting them, you know. Right. And there's a conglomerate, yeah, uh, that's that's trying to drive all the podcast festivals out of business. Yeah, so, awesome. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, what have what's been the biggest surprises? I've you know you you guys are pretty open on the website about some of the challenges at the festival. The festival. I mean, the biggest thing is this, is this, uh, I think it's Sinclair, I can't remember who it is, um, but this conglomerate yeah. who came in last year and did a festival three weeks after ours, upped everybody's prices, mm -hmm. took away a bunch of our acts that had said yes, um, and then they did it to New York this year, because nice. uh, they're cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's been a big challenge. Getting the word out's a big challenge. Mm. It's it's interesting. You realize, well, podcaster, the whole idea is like, well, there's no advertising you need to do because it should be built in, right? Right. 
But then you find out podcasters want to promote their own events. Sure. They don't want to promote someone else's, so they end up not promoting it. So it just gets, yeah, there's a lot of sort of tricky stuff like that. And then as far as, you know, we tried to broaden it and do streaming, and, and it worked great the first year, and then the second year it totally fell off. So mm. yeah, you, run into these, you run into these things you don't really expect. And then Trump uh, hit us really hard. Is that right? Because, you know, usually we get a few sponsors that helps us pay for everything, and last year it, nobody was spending money all the right. advertisers like no we don't want to do anything everything yeah. everything just kind of shut down because they were all freaked out about trump sure yeah so he he's good <laughs> he won by the way <laughs> is that right yeah yeah i did not know that <laughs> that's amazing news <laughs> um it's funny every time i go to a lot of you know conferences festivals whatever and i always run into somebody Who's like, we should start our own thing. This Always. Is like, <laughs> and like everybody feels like it's such an easy thing to it's do. It's so fucking hard. Yeah. And it takes so much time. So what would you want people to, it, it, what would you want somebody to know before embarking on an endeavor like this? I mean, the amount of work that goes into it is far beyond anything you can imagine. And there's, and there's so many little tiny things that are popping up that are costing you time. But the number one thing about running a festival is it's exhausting the amount of time you put in. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you do have to bring in experts mm -hmm. uh, because festivals are a really weird thing and you kind of have to know how to run them. So you do have to bring in someone and then you're kind of losing power of what you started. Right. And choices are being made. And you're like, I don't know if that's a good choice, but they say that that's what we should do. And then yeah. it turns out to be the wrong thing. You're like, oh, that was, that was a lot of money. Huh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but time's the number one thing. It's going to be a huge suck of time. And there's really, you don't make a lot of money off of it. Like, right. We really haven't. The reason we did this was to keep it out of, I mean, the real reason we did, we started this, keep it out of the big company's hands. Mm -hmm. And number two, keep the cost of the uh, festival passed down yeah. for the audience. And those are probably both going away. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I always find partnerships interesting because yeah. it seems like such an impossible. I mean, I've um, the reason I'm a stand-up is because I don't work great with other people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. But, so but no, you do this with partners. I do. And we bump heads. Yeah. Like there's totally been um, tons of bumping heads. We one partner left, um, but when you come down to like picking podcasts, everyone has different opinions on mm -hmm. what it should be, mm -hmm. and they have different likes and dislikes. And you're and like you're like that's a shitty podcast. We shouldn't do that. And then they pick it, and no one comes, and you go, "See, I told you it was a shitty podcast." <laughs> so right. it's just you know, it's it's you know, a lot of it's just your own personal opinion of how shit should work, and you're not always right. There's definitely been shit I haven't been right about. So what have you learned about? partnerships through this experience <laughs> uh that's a tough one i mean you really have to step back and trust in them and even if they get it wrong you gotta go yeah but i get stuff wrong right so you can't you just can't hold anything against each other because if you do it's totally gonna unravel you, you have to work together or else the thing will split apart mm-hmm yeah that's it. No, that's hard. I never understand how guys can be in a band together. Right. Because the bass player always wants to sing. 
And then once that guy starts singing, the band breaks up. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's kind of universal, right? In any relationship, is yeah. is the don't let the bass player sing. <laughs> no, but is is like to to really learn to value what somebody else brings to the table yep. that's different from what you bring. Yeah, I think everyone in this group has a different sort of thing that they're good at, and you know, I think right now it's working. I don't think this podcast has suffered because of the way the partnership has worked at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's been pretty successful. Yeah. Yeah. And we brought in uh, Simon last year, who's been great. Yeah. Because at some point you're like, well, we are just comedians and we kind of don't know what in the fuck we're doing when it comes to the business of festivals. Right. You know, so we brought in a guy who ran a huge festival and he made tons of great changes. Yeah. Simon's a pro. Yeah. Super, super, super good at it. Um, so I've, I've noticed on your social media. Oh. Uh, well, there, there's a lot of it. There's a lot between the your personal stuff and mm-hmm. the podcast, and and uh, I imagine somebody else runs the festival stuff. Yeah, I stopped running. I tried to run the festival stuff last year. It was too difficult. So, so how do you? Well, first of all, how do you manage all of that? And barely. Okay. Um, and how do you know? What's adding value? That's that's interesting. So, uh, I think with the cool thing about social media is it's kind of pretty quick that you find out what's working and what isn't. Yeah. Like with the political stuff, like I was for a long time just doing jokes and you know blah blah blah, and my following wasn't going up. But when I got political, mm-hmm. it just took off. Yeah. So you know you realize like, well, I'm a comedian. People want opinions and. Most people won't like them, but there's going to be a group that do. And really, you don't need everyone to like you. You need like 5 or 10% of people to like you, and then you right. have a following. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't get that. Um, as far as, you know, the, I'm lucky that I'm in comedy because that's pretty instantaneous, right? Mm-hmm. And then with uh, podcasts, podcasts are an interesting thing. I think I, think I really benefited from... Um, being friends with people who are famous. Mm. You know, I think Will Anderson in Australia is really big. Patton yeah. Oswalt is really big. And um, those guys promoted my my stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you can't really... That's, that's just luck. All right, everybody out there, go make famous friends. That's your assignment. It's a hard piece of advice, but make famous friends. <laughs> yeah, that's our... But, you know, that's just networking, right? Yeah. Um, so, and also that's like, the reason I was friends with those guys is perseverance. I did end up sticking around. I never quit. Right. And had I quit, I certainly wouldn't be. I mean, that's how I got Marin. You know, Mark knew where I was. He knew that I wasn't working or anything, but he also knew that I was a writer and that I had lived the life of a comedian mm-hmm. who wasn't that successful. And he's like, perfect. You're the perfect guy for the job. Yeah. So, you know, you just kind of... You just kind of stick it out. So you say networking, but I think for a lot of people, that's sort of a dirty word. It is. And it has this connotation of some asshole with a business card or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's not only that. To me, networking is more like you you sort of find like-minded people in your business and people you get along with, yeah. and and you like their work, and hopefully they like your work. It's not like trying to get... I, I've never been the the guy going to a party to just get to meet people or or you know all that shit because that that's just tedious and yeah 
that, like, I don't know what that leads to. Like, no, no. They know you, but then what does that mean? Right. So if you're hanging around people or you get to know people, which you can now just do online. Like I have a ton, ton of people I know online that I'm friends with that I don't know in, mm-hmm. in real life who, who will, you know, promote my stuff. And so you kind of just collect people around you that, that are the same or you enjoy their, their art or whatever it is they're doing. And that's your network, you know? It's not the handing out card bullshit. Right, right. That's what agents do. Yeah. And they're terrible people. <laughs> do we have any agents in the <laughs> That guy, I think. Um, uh, but you mentioned, so you mentioned the Kickstarter. Yeah. And, and now I know uh, you guys have been pretty successful on Patreon, it seems like. Yeah, I d- I've done two Kickstarters. I did one Kickstarter um, to get my one-man show to Mel- Melbourne. Um, that worked. And then we did the second one for the festival. Patreon um, has been great. Like, we yeah. have a steady serving. It never goes up or down. It's just kind of this one amount that's a good amount. And um, I think it's great. I mean, the, the thing about the way the system is working now, like, YouTube keeps demonetizing people. Sure. And fucking with their income. So some yeah. guy's making, you know, he's got a great following. He's making 50 grand a month. And all of a sudden, it's 10,000 because Google's like, oh, we don't like you talking about Syria. Right. And then all of a sudden, that guy doesn't have an income. So if you're on Patreon, that's not going to happen. And you have to worry about them cracking down on you because your content. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. And so it's sort of the way out of that mess because I think it's going to happen more and more with google and other places cracking down on your content if you do anything outside the norm yeah i mean i think it really speaks to the issue of being media Mm -hmm. where someone's selling ads against your content yep versus sort of selling stuff directly to people totally and and i think we get uh we get confused about the difference between those two things yeah for sure but they seem really different yeah uh it's a it's a weird world and it's we're so rapidly changing in the past year or so with that yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. They Google just did it again. They like, I think they called it half demonetizing. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I just, someone else talked to me like, yeah, they just killed me overnight. It's like, yeah, you got, I drive everyone to Patreon. And even Patreon's like, you know, it's, it's a, what they do is great, but you know, they're again, it's a VC company and there's a bunch of dickheads that run it, but it, for us, it works. Sure. You know, like yeah. the, I think, I think Kushner, I think one of Trump, I think Kushner has a, a piece of it. You oh, know? nice. But what the fuck are you going to do? Like how, how else in this, in this system, how else do we work around those guys? Like I'm making money for Kushner. Okay. But I gotta, I gotta pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a mess. Yeah. I always feel like, you know, I have friends who get up in arms over some company or another that the, the owner does something shitty Yeah, and you know, they want to, you know, you, your instinct is to boycott. Yeah. Or like, but you know, the reality is like our world is so complex. It's so, it's so complicated. Some, some terrible person is invested in everything yeah. that you've ever bought. No, there's in show business. There's nothing you can do that is not enriching some asshole somewhere right. except just a podcast. But even then who's taking a cut of, you yeah. know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, they, yeah. everyone's got their fingers in somewhere. Absolutely. I always think we, we did a, a ad uh, recently for uh, Penn State online 
Um, <laughs> this poor guy can't get in. For Penn State online uh, uh, degrees. Yeah. And I, you know, every once in a while I go check in to see what people are saying on the podcast. And there was this big discussion about how we shouldn't do that because they, you know, had Joe Paterno there. Right. And I was like, it, I want people to be able to figure out how to get an education. I don't yeah. really give a shit. Like, this is literally talking to a person who might think, oh, fuck, I might be able to better myself here. And I live way out in the middle of nowhere, but here's a chance. Is, is he still there? No, he died, yeah. didn't he? The statues. Did they take down the statue? Yeah, but the, there's So it's okay ones. to go to Penn State now. Like, we don't have to ban them for life. No, right? I mean, like, look, the, the school made some mistakes uh, yeah. handling that, as I think any big sports school does. Of course. Um, you know, and it was a super bad situation, but it's also like, what about people who need an education? I think that's more important. Oh, fuck the people who need an education. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't do that. So, uh, but but you do have advertisers, as you said. We have advertisers. We what? we talked about that whether to go because there's a model that people do, which is a Patreon model, which is yeah. put out an episode to the public, do a private one for Patreon people. Mm. So no ads on the Patreon. No right? ads on that one. Okay. So and they and those people charge like five bucks a month, and yeah. they do really well. So we considered that, but I'm also like, you know, the the podcast is is really about it's a history of people who are not talked about, right? The people who right. have no power yeah. and don't have any money and the laborers and stuff. So it's like, yeah, like Ross Perot. Yeah. Like Ross Perot. <laughs> that poor bastard. <laughs> so it's like, do you want to put, do you want to put that message behind a paywall for right. people who can't find it? So it's kind of like a, you know, a, should we do that? And then yeah. we asked the fans and they were like, no, keep it public and, and do ads. So as a podcaster and a, and a champion of podcasts, what? How do, how do you make the advertising better? You absolutely have to sort of filter it through your um, sort of personality. Okay. Um, the guys, if you're going to read an ad, do it really quick, as yeah. fast as you can. Be yeah. like a speed reader. But try to make it your own. Like we, we started doing Talkspace, and we just made that about – we just made that about Trump. I just I just act like I'm talking about a guy that's random, but it's very specific that I'm uh -huh. being. And Gareth is like, "This has got to be Trump, right?" And <laughs> so we just made it about that, and people love the ads. Sure. So if you can take these things and sort of twist them around your own uh, your own words and your own personality, people will listen to them. But otherwise, they're not going to listen to them. They just zip through them, and even some people still get mad. So basically, just talk about Trump. Just talk about Trump. People be happy. <laughs> if there's any podcasters in the room, just make your show about Trump. It'll all work out. But when we do like Blue Apron or whatever, we talk yeah. about cooking together and you know just stupid shit uh, yeah. to try and make it funny. I mean, we're we're comedians, right? So try to make it funny. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you do, try to bring that into it. Is there something that you would want advertisers to know? When they're approaching podcasts, yeah, the the ones that give you copy that's really strict and rigid, you know, you're you're begging the audience to fast forward and yeah. not listen to it. Yeah, like you have you have these are podcasts. The podcasts are really just about the truth. It's sort of taking the veil down of show business and the the sort of robotic way that radio is done. And so, why would you thrust that on podcasts? Mm -hmm. Just give them the best ones that just give you bullet points. Hey, can you mm -hmm. talk about this? Right. Or can you 
we'll send you this and can you talk about the experience? And then, you know, that, that caters to what the people like, which is the personality of the right. actual podcaster. Yeah, we have ads on this show and I, I kind of just like ignore the copy. Yeah. And, you know. That's, I mean, I, don't, I, I hear people read it. I was listening to one the other day and they did, a, they did an ad read for uh, a fantasy draft league and and the guys are nerds who uh it's just a nerd podcast and so they read the thing and they're just reading it and then at the end they go i don't know what the fuck is this like they just they <laughs> and you're like yeah okay it right. kind of worked <laughs> but you know if they're just reading shit and they don't know what it is then it's not going to do anything yeah i got sent wine the other day nice yeah we're going to do a wine guy and i was like this is yeah more wine yeah Sure. Get me drunk. I'll talk about your fucking wine. <laughs> Yo, I hope you're enjoying this. This is Dave Anthony with the LA Podcast Festival, the Dollar Podcast. If you're liking this one, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out, I think, one of our first comedians that we had on the show. Really funny dude by the name of Brandon Wardell. He was just a guy I saw in the clubs and thought he was hilarious and wanted to have him on the show. You might know Brandon from Vice TV. Um, and he tells us some great stories about when it makes sense to listen to the haters. So go back to uh, rebelradio.net or Rebel Radio on iTunes and check that one out after you finish up here with Dave Anthony. So you so you have all this stuff going on. What it like? Like emotionally or? <laughs> yeah. That's what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> no, you got the album. You, you, I had the you album. Guys, you put yeah. out a book. We put out a book. The book was based on the podcast. Yeah. That was an interesting thing. Also, we got an email from one guy one day and he's like, hey, do you want to do a book? Yeah. Like, I guess. And he all he just wanted us to take. Uh, we have, So we have a great artist that we always, always work with, James Fosdyke, who works with other people. Guy might be here. Uh, what's up guy uh, Steel we were talking about you just there alright he's done some of Steel's posters uh, so he's an Australian artist he's fucking great like just a great artist so we almost consider him like the guy who did the cartoons for Monty Python like he's mm. the sort of third wing and when they contact us about the book they were like, well, we, we need to pick an artist and we're like, well, there's only one artist and they're like, no, it doesn't really work like that we're like, well, that's how it works for us <laughs> Um, so we weren't really going to do it unless James was on board. Yeah. Uh, so he, he came on board and then was just like, they just wanted us to condense the ones we've already done. Um, so it was a pretty easy thing, uh, to do cause it's already all written. Just kind of take the jokes we came up with during the episode. So the book was really easy and it's a good introductory thing, um, for people to give like relatives and go, this is what the podcast kind of is. Cause a lot of people don't want to listen to podcasts, sure. but then they read that and they go, Oh, this is, this is cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the book was cool. The album, uh, albums. So the album is, uh, super personal. Basically it's a lot of this stuff that, that we talked about earlier, which is just self-sabotage mm -hmm. and why I did that and how I got over it. Uh, and it's, you know, basically about my dad being an alcoholic and growing up in that shit and how I just... That's hilarious. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so it's about the hilarity of a, an abused child. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, but it's like, 
like I needed to sort of do that album before I can go on to the next stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was the one man show that I got funded uh, through Kickstarter. So I, I ended up a, recording that. I have a buddy whose kid is a mu- musician. Yeah. And he's like a fucking perfect father. He's like, you know, they live in this like father knows best yeah. existence. And I keep telling him he's got to just start drinking <laughs> and be like, because his son's never going to make any good music. I know. It's so true. It's so true. My kid the other day, he was like, yeah, I want to be a, a comedian or a YouTuber. And I was like, you're not enough pain, dude. <laughs> and he, and he's just looked, he's eight. He's like, what? And I'm like, there's no way. You, it's your, your life's too good. Yeah. I could start really fucking with him and, you know, then he might be funny at some point. Exactly. He's not going to be funny right now. You he's going to be that terrible guy that's trying to be funny and everyone's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just shut up. There was no pain in your life. Yeah. My son's, my son's eight and he's taking improv class. He is? Yeah. Oh. But yeah, he's got, he, wants to, he wants to start a YouTube. You're right. Selling jokes. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're like. No one's going to. That's like telling him. Cause he, cause so I had him uh, do ads one time. I was traveling. Oh, that's and cool. Gareth couldn't do it. Child so I, labor. Yeah, child labor. Yeah. I just pretended like he was Gareth, and I just talked to him <laughs> through the ads, and everyone really loved it. But then he was like, "How many downloads do we get?" And I'm just like, "Jesus, <laughs> fuck, man, <laughs> that's awesome." So, is it by design that, you, like, you have all these different projects? Is that on purpose? Yeah. Or, like, or if you. If you had the opportunity to pick one and just do one thing, a podcasting podcast. Yeah, I think uh, you know when I started out, I wanted to be a stand-up, and that's all I wanted to be. But then, after you're a stand-up for a while, you're like, oh, I think I want to act, and I think I want to write, and I think I want to do this. So, I mean, I was just lucky that I have the ability to do more than one thing. I, yeah. I've I've never understood how someone can just be an actor because then you're just fucking sitting around waiting. Yeah. Whereas if you're a writer or a podcaster, you can sort of make shit happen on your own. At least you're doing something. Mm-hmm. Whereas an actor, you can't. I'm going to go act, you right. know, today. Um, so I've always felt like diversify, um, because the old the the longer you're in the business and not doing well, the more you realize, oh, I can make money doing that a little bit here and a mm-hmm. little bit there and a little bit there and a little bit there. And then at some point, if one of those things takes off. All, right. the, all the others come with it. Yeah. So for me, it was always just keep my hands in as many things as I could. I feel like that's a personality thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. The more I talk to to successful people in different areas, like I think there are just some people that need that diversity. Yeah. And other people that need to focus on, on one thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think it's it's definitely hard to juggle all these balls you know i'm sure i have to i have to tell my agents like i can't go out for acting for two months because i have to do this and then you know i'm not taking any writing jobs right now but once this is over i'll do that and yeah it's a whole kind of keeping the plate spinning thing yeah yeah i bet yeah well i have a little uh lightning round that we like to oh fuck i did not be ready well you didn't talk to my manager about this i thought (laughs) (laughs) i ran it by your publicist uh, Can you imagine if I ever had a publicist? There, there, someone tried to come into my agency. Was uh, they? They. I used to book all the gigs live for live, and I just can't do it anymore. So, yeah. let an agent take it over. And there was a gig that wasn't going well, and they're like, "We're going to bring in our PR person." <laughs> and I was like, and she started telling us ideas, and I was like, "No, no, no," and then. That was the end of the PR person. That's hilarious. 
Once in a while, I get a guest whose publicist wants to see the questions first. Oh, fuck. And I just send them some shit. And yeah. I don't use any of them. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Because, you know, they're doing their job. And yeah, like, that's what they're supposed to whatever. do. Yeah. Fuck it. I had one. I've had one guest who the publicist wanted to then review. After. After. Yeah. Did and you I just do? said no. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Has anybody ever asked to take stuff out? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I usually offer. Yeah, because you know it's not that kind of show. I'm not yeah. trying to trip anyone up. Uh, only a couple. I think there's sometimes we take stuff out. Like I ask you something and you just can't think of it, and right. we stumble around for five. You know, yeah, it's not we take good. that shit. This is not fun to listen to. No, like this. We'll probably like right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we thought we when we walk in the room, we used to have comics on, so we had, we had to take out. We did some heavy editing a couple because people oh, yeah. would talk shit about other comics, and then they'd be like, "Hey, man, that stuff I say that can't be out there." Right, and you're right. like, "Fuck, it was yeah. so great." Well, but that's fun stuff. Yeah. No, I had one guy who kind of like talked about a shitty contingent of his audience. Oh yeah. And then he asked me to take that out. Which yeah, was totally that makes sense. Fine. I mean, I, yeah. I got a lot of I got a lot of. Uh, feedback when I started talking shit about the mean walk in the room fans. Yeah. Which are like 5%, I think. But people are like, you, what the fuck? You hated us? And I was like, no, there's a bunch, there's a group of dickheads right. that you're not all of. Yeah. yeah. But I got a lot of blowback on that. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. They're still dickheads, though. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> all right. Tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Uh, having a kid. I mean, that not that the standard one? But I think that if I didn't have a kid, I would not be remotely successful. Mm. Not even remotely. That's big. The other, I would say the other big things, two big things, was going to Al-Anon. Yeah. Which is, uh, if you don't know, a 12-step program for people who were raised or in love with alcoholics. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, if I hadn't done that, I probably would be in jail. Because I was that... I was that angry and violent that I would have done something. I mean, yeah, really bad. Yeah. Yeah, that was a mess. Complete this sentence. I don't have talent. I have blank. Luck. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> that's good. Um, that's good. If you don't have luck, you're kind of fucked. So. Yeah. Oh, it, I, you can have all the talent in the world, but you got to have some luck. Yeah. Yeah. So if I worked for you, maybe I was your publicist. Uh huh. Uh, what's something I would hear you say over and over? No. <laughs> I really like. Sounds like a fun job. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to. I really have an idea of what I want to do, and 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 it's it's it might not always be the best in the eyes of show business, but I think it's best for me. What's the hardest thing you've said no to? Um. I don't know. There's a, there's a few things that like like Drew Carey asked me to go out on a USO tour with him, which I think would have been a good thing for my career. Yeah. And I said no. Um, Why'd you say no? Uh, I didn't want to be away from my kid for that long. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I ended up killing a, a TV show that it that it sold and someone else was interested in, but uh, my writing partner was a fucking asshole and yelling at me a lot. And so I, I killed the possibility of the show wow. moving on. And that was a big deal because, like, Amazon had wanted to buy it and there was Comedy Central had already bought it and then mm. moved on. So it was a show that had life. Yeah. And uh, I just walked away. 
Those are, those are, those are it, tough. Emotionally, the fucking battle you have to do, yeah. it has, you have to enjoy what you're doing. If you're not enjoying what you're doing, it's not worth it. It's not worth the money. I worked on a show that was intolerable for nine months, and when it was over, I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, I was fucking miserable because when you get in it, you don't realize it until it's over. Yeah. Well, it's amazing the stuff people will put up with. Yeah. You're in there and you're just trying to do the thing and you don't realize how fucking horrible it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm talking about this show. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> Who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? David Lowry. Oh, singer we, cracker. We don't know who that is. <laughs> what? You know who, who that, that is? is? He's the singer cracker. I've oh. just always been a, I, I, I've always been a huge fan of cracker, and I don't know why. I've always just been like, man, wouldn't it be great if he liked my work? And there's no reason. There's no reason for that at all. Absolutely no reason at all. Okay. <laughs> Have you reached out to him? I was. I did a show with him once. Yeah. I opened for him, and I was like, "Man, I hope he watches." He 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 was in the green room. He came up at the very end, and I saw him laugh at one thing, and then and I was like, "That's that's good." But you should. I have albums. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it? Uh, I don't know. Is it weird opening for musicians? Yeah, it's terrible. I won't do it again. Yeah. I And I see comics do it all the time. You know, uh, yeah. Bob, Bobcat Goldthwait did it for Nirvana. And he wow. said it was just fucking awful. Like, every comic I know that's open for a band is like, yeah, this isn't good That doesn't all. seem like a good fit. No, pe- the, the audience is like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. I'd rather watch a shitty band. than. Yeah. And I've just heard of comics, like, opening for bands at the, the Whiskey or whatever and just People are yelling at him and booing, and it—I've never heard of anyone go. That was great. Open for a band, really great. <laughs> like that's never happened. What's your favorite city to travel to? Mm, probably Seattle. Although now I gotta say, um, let's open that up. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Australia. Yeah. Uh, so Melbourne is my favorite city in the world. Um, nice. Yeah. Now what's, Sydney's mad at me. What's that? Now the people in Sydney are mad at me because they hate each other. <laughs> it's really cute. All cities in Australia hate each other. So if you say anything good about any other one, they're all like, fuck you. And you're like, oh, God, sorry. I, I like Melbourne. <laughs> oh, do you? They're coffee shit. Okay. I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> what's the last great book you've read? Hmm. The Bible? No, not the Bible. Um, I'm trying to think. So, uh, I'm, right now, I read, I read a lot of history books, obviously. I would hope. So, there's one called The Gert, which is an Australian history book that's fucking fantastic. And it's almost like a written version of The Dollop. Um, I love it. It's just nice. absolutely tremendous. Yeah. What movie do you think you've seen the most in your life? Uh, Shawshank? Really? Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of shitty ones. Like Roadhouse. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't turn that thing off either. 
That's just, awesome. <laughs> Roadhouse is a spectacular film. Absolutely. Yeah. Defined a genre. Fuck yeah, did. I'm not sure what the genre is. Oh, it wasn't a good one. Was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shitty Patrick Swayze movies. That's for, right. For 200. <laughs> he, 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 you know, was fucking a doctor. That's cool. Got the bad guys. It's true. Sam Elliott didn't make it. Spoilers. Uh, okay. What's your favorite uh, live show band you've ever seen? Jawbreaker. I don't know. What just happened? Oh, yeah? Oh, All thanks. Right. I got, got, got Jawbreaker fans I got in applause. the house. Yeah, I got to go with Jawbreaker. I've, yeah, that's it. Where'd you see him? Primus is pretty great, too. I see. I used to watch uh, Jawbreaker around San, uh, San Francisco area, East Bay and stuff, just different places. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that was then. And uh, I, I'd say them, Primus, and Super Chunk have put on the best shows. Cool. Obviously, that dates me. A little bit. <laughs> and Lady Gaga. <laughs> I heard she's opening for Primus on the next tour. Oh, my God. What a show that would fucking be. Right? <laughs> it's happening. Um, no, I saw uh, uh, Primus. They, all they did was selling a season of cheese uh, like five years ago or something. And yeah. Just That was fucking amazing. Nice. Yeah. Dave, thanks for doing this. Man. Thank you for having me. This was great. I mean, I don't. I feel like the audience didn't do their part, but um, <laughs> that, that's all we, we did. We punch it up in post. That's <laughs> all right. You guys, you guys are going to sound awesome. Uh, so we find the dollop. Yeah, on dollop. iTunes. Uh, dollops everywhere. Any, yeah. Anytime you got a, a a podcasting catcher, whatever they call it. Right. And then my albums are on all the digital sources. Yeah. Um, but I get the most money from Bandcamp. Go to Bandcamp, buy yeah. the album. Uh, and then uh, I do a podcast festival. That's true. I don't think I have anything else going on. Right? Album. Yeah, that's it. Oh, book. Yeah, buy the book too. United States of Absurdity. Yeah, that's on. United States of Absurdity. Yeah. It's on digital and then you can get an actual book in your hand. We st they still do that. What is that? It's a thing. Uh, it's, uh, it's something you can, you can keep papers from flying off a desk. It's oh, wow. windy out. Yeah. It's good. That must be new. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having it. me. Yeah, right it was fun. Yeah, that was Dave Anthony live from the LA Podcast Festival. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Make sure you um, support our sponsors, Upside.com, Audible.com. All that good stuff. Leave us a comment on Twitter, at Rebel Radio Net. Hit us on our Facebook page. Do something. I don't really care what you do, but make sure you come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace. <laughs>